Please listen carefully. And now, live from some soapboxes on a street corner in McKinney, Texas, it's the Assuming Positions Podcast, featuring two of the loudest mimes you've ever heard, Kevin and Mikey. Hey everybody, welcome to the Assuming Positions Podcast. Kevin over here. And Mikey over here. And today we are excited to talk about Stranger Things. Specifically Stranger Things Season 4, Volume 1, the latest Stranger Things. Yes. At the time you were hearing this, I think the Volume 2 is going to be about to come out. So we're going to spoil everything because you should have seen Volume 1 by now. Yep. And interestingly, we've never we've talked about Stranger Things, but we've never done like a full Stranger Things episode before. Yeah, it se- took us to season four to get into a breakdown, it's which crazy. is weird. It's but very strange. We've been on board since uh, Jump, I think. For sure, yeah. I mean, it's a show by some guys who really loved D anD D in the eighties. Oh, love it! Yes, and that's like me. <laughs> so. That goes for our whole game group, I think. Yeah, basically, yeah, I know. And it's interesting because if you figure out when all the kids in the show, the characters, yes. not the actual kids playing them, but the characters in the show were born like, they're like all my contemporaries. There you go. Those are all Gen X kids. Oh, for sure. It's almost like they're telling your part, your uh, made for TV life story. In a, in a way, <laughs> in a way. Minus the possession and the demons and all that. But. So before we get into season four, we'll, and since we haven't really done the other seasons, just up front, like one season one, two, and three, what were your impressions critiques uh just basically kind of a quickie yeah yeah like going into four where were you left off with your stranger things fandom i guess i had to go back because like i loved it so much that i binged every like all the first three seasons when Mm -hmm. it came out so been forever it has been forever so Mm -hmm. by the time season four came around there were certain things i had still stuck in my mind and Mm -hmm. i was like oh cool i can't wait to see how that resolves but i did have to go back because they do so much groundwork but like you said it's a show that has the loose template of a D&D party mm-hmm. in a small town. Like, I'm a little bit later in the generational scale, but that hooked me immediately. And then the character of Eleven is perfectly done. It's so mysterious, and they give you little tidbits every once in a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was thinking back, the really only nitpick I have about the earlier seasons is her little tangent into the punk rock group in yeah, season two. season two. I, don't, I think that was just an isolated thing to pay off then. That was the only thing I stuck out, and I was like, yeah, they did do that. That was weird, but... Then season three, Starcourt Mall, like leveling up the music. I mean, it's been a, I, I don't think there really has been a low point for me up until this season four. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, the season one was lightning and magic and everything you can put in a bottle. Yes. That's why Stranger Things is what it is. Mm-hmm. That first season was just a thunder clap. Absolutely. Can I think of more <laughs> superlatives or whatever? But Special effects. Uh, yeah, but... <laughs> But definitely, I loved season one. Season two, like uh, season two, that was almost kind of the sophomore slump a little bit. Yep. It kind of made everyone, I think, kind of go, ooh, this is still really good. But, yep. and then season three was, they added some new characters and it was, it was pretty strong. Yes. But I would still say none of them matched up to season one. 
okay, I got you. To that point. So season four coming out, I'm like, okay, let's see where this is going. Mm -hmm. But I was excited going into it to see it because the characters are fun and there's there's story arcs that can be resolved and everything that's going on. And the good thing about having so many seasons is they took the time to develop. We have so many characters and there's so many more for season four Mm -hmm. because most of them stick around. But they took their time to give everybody a little moment to grow and have their own story. And they did a really great job with that. Indeed. Season four, we're dealing with, there were some things left off in season three that were question marks. Kind of knew the season was coming. Yep. And there's multiple storylines in season four. There's three, really. Yeah. And I've broken them down into the three things that I think the Duffer brothers built the structure of these stories on. I love it. There's three 80s genres? Tropes. Tropes, types. Homages. Yeah, well, let, let me let me get into it. So there there's a thread of the buyers and L have moved out to California, kind of in a kind of witness protection program almost. Yep, they're out. Moved them out of Hawkins, put them in California. So there's a whole California thread. Yes, and that whole California thread, as it goes through, is total war games. <laughs> a teen thriller mm-hmm. 80s vibe yes and i have points that will go through that can I, i'll be like that's that this is war games there's a lot of they even call out war games when they make that phone call but yeah. exactly they do call out war games and there's also a lot of things that little kind of easter eggs in there and if the duffer brothers weren't doing that on purpose i don't know who was but <laughs> so there's the whole california i'm, I'm going to call it the war game storyline there you go and then Everything in Hawkins that's going on with our group in Hawkins, the people who are left behind, Mm -hmm. that is straight up 80s horror movie, 100% Nightmare Uh on Elm Street, with some other stuff thrown in on there, but it leans so hard in Nightmare on Elm Street that we get cameos from Nightmare on Elm Street, right? And we get points for predicting it, because we did uh, do a trailer breakdown on Nerd Alerts, and we were like, that's the vibe we're getting, and they made a whole little section out of it. And then we have the whole Hopper and Russia thing. <laughs> and we all knew Hopper was alive from the trailer, yep. the teaser before. Then that Hopper and Russia thing mm-hmm. is a total 80s action movie along lines of Rambo. For sure. Missing in action <laughs> with uh, Chuck Norris. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a total like prisoners escape, red commie taking damage that no human could sustain. There you go. It's Hopper's Rambo. Absolutely, and yeah. oh, he 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 kills it. Yeah, there are little sprinklings because it is still it's Stranger Things, so there's always going to be little horror movie bits in there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I kept getting vibes of John Carpenter's The Thing for sure, just because it's kind of isolated. It's cold. People are betraying each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's monsters for sure. So I mean, the Duffer Brothers put all their favorite things all throughout this and everything. There you go. But to me, these are the so the three main veins. We got the teen thriller. Yes. I love war games. Mm-hmm. Like the teenage kid who gets involved in things that they didn't intend to. Yep. And now they have like scientists and government. And you know, that's even an E.T. kind of. And Wait, does that make Eleven an extraterrestrial? She kind of is an E.T. <laughs> and then we got the Hor- Hawkins horror movie. And then we have the action movie in russia political thriller almost in a lot of ways it's it's real neat yeah and it's really neat how they intertwine these three things so deftly for sure the word i would say Mm -hmm. it almost seemed like every time you wondered what was going on 
in one of the storylines, they'd give it to you. The pacing was excellent. Yeah. It was excellent because I kept finding myself wanting them to go back to it. It's like, no, don't cut off here. Yeah. Keep, give me more. But then you get invested into the third movie or the first part, when yeah. they ever th- whatever they switch back to, but for sure. Episode one is called The Hellfire Club. Mm-hmm. And there's too much to talk about in each episode, but we'll kind of use the basic structure. The episodes kind of lead you through the series. For so. sure. But episode one is kind of important to talk about because I think almost all of the new characters are introduced in this one, except for Russia. I think Russia doesn't show up till episode two. Correct. But episode one, we get a lot of new characters, and this is really where we get to see where everyone's at. Yes. It opens up with a flashback from 79. Mm-hmm. And to me, I don't know, we'd have to talk to the Duffer Brothers, but the Paperboy was a Paperboy video game reference. <laughs> The outfit was pretty on the point. The outfit seemed right. The way he was throwing the papers, the way they were hitting the... All we needed was some guy going by on a riding lawnmower. Or a little and, dog coming out trying to bite the back wheel. Yeah. Something. You know, that might be distracting, so maybe that's why they didn't do it. But I was just getting Paperboy vibes. I just immediately, when I saw that, I thought of the video game Paperboy immediately. And, like, I support it. We'll claim it here and make it headcanon for ourselves. But aside from the horror movie stuff, this is the first season where they've made, like, overt video game references like mm-hmm. that i've noticed them more in the past season mm-hmm. like you're saying war games there's a reference to super nintendo later mm-hmm. on that, like the computer and the internet mm-hmm. so I, I can see them like updating their references with the times that are happening in mm-hmm. the show but what we get in the flashback is this horrible massacre yep that happens at the hawkins lab we find out why 11 was by herself that's it and it's because all the other children were brutally murdered, and it looks like Eleven did it. It does, and she's like, she's all angry and bleeding from the eyes, yeah. and like covered in blood, and like yeah. it's just kids all yeah. dead. And they got baby Eleven back. They did. So I'm not sure how they. I don't know if they just did youngify. How do? You, but they shortified too. Usually when they youngify, I think they did it smart because I was like. I was conscious of this going in because the trailer showed us we were going to get flashbacks. Mm -hmm. And this jumps to 11 story over all these episodes. But I think they made a conscious choice to sort of screw it up because there are scenes where she's young and looks young. Mm -hmm. Then there are scenes where it's that young one and they sort of do the mind flash uh, shutter screen between the two. And then there are shots where it looks like old 11's face on young 11's body. And I think they did a mix so you couldn't really pinpoint it and be like oh that's bad because it's supposed to be this it's like no we're sort of being wonky with yeah because a lot of stuff is from her memories mixed with closed caption footage yes everything's kind of weird and project nina but that's later but yeah but it was neat to see old papa again mm-hmm. papa um, before he got eaten by a demigorgon yeah he's back but it was a flashback so oh yeah but maybe he is back <laughs> As the narrator, he was. Yeah, he, he was. But this is what we were worried about in the trailer. They're splitting the party. We're getting the kids, like, they're going to high school. We're at Hawking's. Yeah. Uh, but they're older now. In real life, the actors are mm-hmm. all older. In the show, the characters are all slightly yeah. older. But Lucas is on the basketball team. They have a new yeah. D&D club because they split the party in some of their parties now in California. Yep. And... It's so perfectly high school, but you still get a sense. It's like, oh, this is kind of like the lame high school I remember. Right. It is. And Elle and the Byers boys are having to go to some California high school. Yep. Witness uh, Protection High School. Yeah, like Witness, Witness Protection High School. And none of them are having a good time there. None. Uh, I mean, Elle's like so weird. Yep. She's getting brutally bullied. Whoever that Angela girl is, <laughs> I didn't write down the actress's name. 
the one thing about the Duffer Brothers and whoever their CSA is, I don't know who their casting person is. Yeah. But the casting is always brilliant. Oh, I'm, sure. I can't think of one character, major to minor, mm-hmm. that wasn't perfect. For sure. For the role. I got you. I, I'm talking about even like the smallest character. I got you. Even like the redneck farmer who's like, like let's go get them Satan worshiping, you know. <laughs> He's great. My 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 the my favorite ultra minor character in this is Eden from uh, Susie's yeah, household. But we'll talk about that yeah. when we get to that because that's important. But yeah, no, uh, my favorite minor character while we're talking about that is the deputy sheriff. Oh, yeah, Callahan or something like that. It's so like Mayberry, like Barney Fife. He's so Barney Fife without being like overly comical, but he's very Barney Fife. He's got, they're going to do, I don't know if they'll do it in the the last two episodes, but he's got, like, it's funny. He's doing a great character, but there's a weird sinisterness to it every once in a while. And I'm like, what's, is it, is it you? Is it possession? But no, he's great because he's like, they're openly mocking us. (laughs) We're driving around and we're trying to do our jobs. And he's interrogating the kid. He's like, oh, these dumb kids. Yeah, I wonder if it's a low-level, he thinks he should have been the new sheriff. Yeah, because he was Hopper's best man in the yeah. previous seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe there's that. Maybe they're playing on that. No, that's that's why he has a little bit of... Because he's very critical of the current sheriff. Very much so. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's what I'm sensing. Yeah, it might be. And if that is what you're sensing and that's what he's doing, then even better on him for being a great actor, seriously. But... Anyway, Angela sucks, is picking on Eleven just brutally. I mean, and the funny thing is, is that some people might not not realize. I've heard some people say, well, it's kind of it's kind of over the top. And I'm like, you weren't in the 80s. That level of bullying yeah. is spot on. Yeah, if your dad is dead and the little <laughs> witch with a B wants to, <laughs> no, they'll go for that. Oh, for sure, yeah. I no. mean, Mean Girls didn't start in the 2000s with no. the movie. No. No. They existed in the 80s and they they were <laughs> they started the trend. Yeah, just that whole I mean, I've been there in the class where like, um, excuse me. I'm a little confused. I thought this was supposed to be a historic person, yep. you know, and it's like, "Oh my god, you oh. I mean, have you I've been there." Oh, sure. Yeah. Especially like that's what I was saying ties into the high school thing. 11 is trying to be Jane. Yeah. Which is her normal self. Mm-hmm. And this is a new high school. It, it's a new grade, new town, new high school. It's a fresh start. Yeah. And she's trying her best. She's got a homemade project. She's trying to high five people in the hallway. Yeah. And it doesn't go right. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, I've been there. It sucks. Please resolve this so I don't <laughs> I know. turn this show off now. <laughs> <laughs> and poor Will, who's obviously gay now. We can talk about it, but go ahead. No, he's gay. I really, really don't want him to be. And not, he, not in like any Did scandals. you not see what his project was? It's a painting for Mike. No, not not the painting. Oh. What his project, the presentation. No. Jane, Jane did like, I live, my hero is my dad. Yeah. My dead dad. And I did a little diorama of the house we lived in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was so weird. Think of how weird that is to regular people. This, this is the house we lived in. And there's this fence that keeps people out. So I feel really safe. It's like, what was wrong with this? I mean, she was weird. Yeah. But no, his presentation. I missed it. Alan Turing. Oh, that, okay. Uh, that clicks. Yeah. It's a nice little hint. Mm-hmm. Well, then I'll say this. By all means, have Will be gay. I celebrate it. That's great. My worry is that they'll, it's the Duffer Brothers, so I probably shouldn't worry. But there's an avenue for them to make it because of his trauma, and I think that'd be a gross cop-out. And that's kind of how I see the writing could go, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't be a fan of that. 
if it's just related to his character and they do it, give it its own time and justice, mm-hmm. all for it. But yeah. I got to wait to see how that pans out. Uh, well, I think the the two trains that are going to collide together is that he loves Mike. Yes. And that's the going to be the thing. So we're going to have to see, because that can go one of two ways. It can go lots of ways. It can. I mean, and it can be handled very deftly. It can be handled horribly. True. But like you said, I kind of trust the Duffer brothers to kind of do it well. Yeah. I mean, because they already have Robin over there, Mm -hmm. you know, the girl who likes girls. Yeah. And they do address wonderfully. They address like when she's talking to Steve. Yep. She's like, I have to be really careful. Oh, for sure. Like, I'll be the town pariah if I'm not careful. How it was at the time. Which is, yeah, yeah. They're very cognizant and aware of what's (laughs) going on. And let's talk about that for a second. Robin and Steve, they're still the best. It's wonderful. And now they have that bond where they're, it's like, them and that that car. It's it's, working in the movie store. Oh, my gosh. It's so good. Yeah. It's like buddy cop movie. Um, what was it? Who were they? Was it Bob Hope and Bing Crosby? No. Who are the two guys that used to do those buddy movies? They did tons of them back in the olden times. Like Jack Lemmon and uh, Walter well, Matthau? Okay. Yeah, modern it up for me. I'm going back to the 40s and 50s, but you're going to the 70s. Yes, Jack Lemmon. I'm Walt- not talking crazy old men. I'm talking odd couple. No, yeah. But you're updating it way more than I was. Fair enough. But you're, you're right. No, that's the, that's the thing. Yes, mm-hmm. odd couple... The perfect two buddies who are just playing off each other. And it's fun. Yeah, they're buddies now because Steve is is the heartthrob, one of the heartthrobs mm-hmm. of the show. And now, like, that's not even a possibility. So now he has to be, like, good boy Steve and right. doesn't get away with, like, being charming uh, D-bag Steve, you know? Yeah, just them arguing. And his whole Fast Times at Ridgemont High bit when he's like, you, you know, know when she paused the movie? <laughs> <laughs> There's only one reason people pause that movie then. It's because they like boobies. <laughs> She's like, stop saying that. So funny. I will stop saying that. But it is funny. No, it, it, it's hilarious. I, I love them together so much. Along the lines of new relationships, just in general. I mean, this is first episode and then yeah. like, much later episodes. We get uh, Eddie Munson. Eddie Munson. Let's take a whole time to talk about Eddie Munson. Back in Hawkins, the boys are in this Hellfire Club, which is the D&D group. Yep. And there's tension now because... And this is so, I see my my kids going through this in high school. Yep. People start finding their identities in high school. And they start differing. Yeah, and so Lucas is is on the basketball team. Yep. Now, yeah, he's a bench warmer because he's a freshman, and that, that happens. But he loves basketball. Yep. And it's come, he's kind of likes basketball more than he likes Dungeons & Dragons, really. Which, okay, that happens. We Absolutely. get it. Yep. We've seen it, right? We get introduced to this Eddie Munson character, because the boys, uh, we'll just call them the boys, the Hawkins boys, yep. Dustin and Mike, they're at the pep rally. By the way, Justin, the jock, yes. is, again, perfect. He's perfect. He, that They found, we need to find an 80s movie jerk jock. Justin is the basketball captain, the yes. blonde-haired. Okay, yeah. and oh, Perfect. Perfect 80s bad guy yes. jock. Yeah. He's perfect. Perfect casting. Again, they dress him in the Izod shirt and tucked into the docker slacks. Perfect. Anyway, yep. they're uh, they're like, oh no, the championship basketball game is interfering with our Hellfire Club campaign. The final night of the campaign, yeah. the campaign resolution. As a D and D nerd, that is super. Like, yeah. it's all this time. It's payoff. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't miss it. You cannot miss it. It's like getting up when the last ten minutes of the movie are about to happen. The beautiful thing is, it is the that's the exact same thing to a nerd that to a jock the championship game is. Oh, it's the sure. same thing. Absolutely. And they parallel it. Through the entire episode, 
which is brilliant because it, it is the same thing to those people. Oh, I love that parallel. You're talking about when Lucas gets the ball, he finally gets game yeah. time, but then they're having the, yeah. the final roll. That, yeah. Is it going to be a D20 or not? Yeah. But we get to Eddie Munson because Lucas is like, you, you're you going to have to ask Eddie to move the thing. And they're like, you're crazy. And we know that too. There's no DM in the world who's going to move his campaign. Nope. But we get to meet him in the cafeteria, and he's reading a Newsweek article about satanic panic. I love it. So good. Holden Court. We find out that he's like a second or third year, se- second year senior, I, I think, think. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, he's the metalhead. Not quite a burnout. A little bit of vibes there. Yeah. But what's funny is like for being as metalhead and over the top character that they made him, he's a, like, you can see the GM in him too. Yes. Like his responses yes. and the way he supports people mm-hmm. or... Mm-hmm. Gives them side talks or here's your option or what are we doing here? Like everything he does, I was like, oh, that's totally what a good GM does. No, that Eddie Munson character, I know that guy. I bet you know that guy too. I know that guy. Yeah. That is a real guy. Yep. Where I don't know how many of my friends in high school were that guy. I got you. Looks really scary to parents. Yep. But is a sweet, cuddly teddy bear. Has the... The, he had the Dio. What do you have? The Dio battle jacket. Is <laughs> yeah. that what he had? Yep. And the the Hellfire Club with Satan face on it, and the flail, and everyone's gonna have that T-shirt. You know? I, w- I want a Hellfire yeah. Club T-shirt for, real bad for sure. Um, <laughs> he was pitch perfect. Eddie Munson is my friend. Absolutely, I know that guy. Mm-hmm. I've hung out with that guy. I've played Dungeons and Dragons with that guy, and it was perfectly done. Yep, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. They didn't do the stereotype 80s thing because, like, he he has an interaction which sets up a whole bunch uh, with Chrissy, one of the head cheerleaders. And you would think, oh, big D&D nerd, head cheerleader, like, they're going to go back and forth at each other. But he's a good enough dude that they can actually bond. Yes, it's outside of the social parameters, kind of. But they have a nice interaction before she becomes the no, first. No, it, it was it was it was brilliant. It had that whole. He was like, "Do you remember like back in junior high?" Because that that's the thing too. You know that shows that stratification that happens where people were like friends in seventh grade. Yeah, you and grew up by, on the same street. Yeah, and then by their senior year, they're so far apart. That's it's, it. It was really, really, really well done. I love that character so much. I loved the when they they asked Eddie like can we move it and he's like no he's like find a replacement and, oh yeah and the whole find a replacement montage yep was great yep and they just went to di- they had different classes <laughs> with different backgrounds and these archetypes yep. and no one wanted to do it I love them asking Max and she's like oh yeah oh huh <laughs> <laughs> oh do it and he's like you're you're messing with me yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Max. Ugh. Can we stop um, for a minute? Let's talk about Max. Let's talk about Sadie Sink. Go. Standout star of this season so far. Especially for having one of the more subdued roles. Right. Yeah. Sadie Sink stepped up to the plate here. Yes. And hit a three-run homer. Absolutely. Walk off three-run homer. Mm-hmm. There's fireworks going off. <laughs> I mean, she killed it. For sure. This season. I was in awe. From the jump, really, mm. when she first gets off in this episode, when she first gets off the bus, yep, it's just I don't know how she leveled up, but she leveled up just commanding the screen. And the show in general sort of leveled her up from being like a B player to yeah, one of the main players for sure. And she definitely stepped up, like you're saying, for sure. I was very, very impressed. And the fun fact that the internet's talking about she made a running up that hill by Kate Bush come back yeah, and chart number one, I know, right, for like four weeks. It's amazing. This show's influence. Absolutely. 
But yeah, we mentioned it before that the D and D slash basketball game, the D and D campaign, Vecna's mm-hmm. Curse, and the championship game, the montage they did, cutting between the two for sure, and then that ultimate like final buzzer shot at the same time uh, she's rolling the D twenty. Lucas's sister, who's great, by the way. Erica? Yeah, I love how they gave her more to do. Lady Applejack? Yeah. (laughs) But that feisty little attitude coming out of that tiny little stature, it's wonderful. She's always been like that in the whole series. I'm happy every time she gets to deliver it, because she's lesser in this series than she was last season, I believe, but... She, she steals every moment she's I know, into. definitely. But that hitting the shot and then hitting the 20, oh, it's one of the most satisfying things. And it's a brother-sister moment, too. Yeah. They just don't experience it together. That's true. You're right. I didn't even think about that. that that's great. Yep. But yeah, Chrissy, another great casting. Mm-hmm. Good Lord. Was she not like the head cheerleader? Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. She's going through all kinds of crazy stuff. You know, you think Max is going... You understand what Max is going through. Her brother got brutally murdered by a monster in a mall. Oh. So I, we get that. Yep. But what's going on with Chrissy? You know, the pressure of being the most popular girl in school. She's obviously has an eating disorder. Yep. But then she's like hearing stuff and seeing stuff. So she goes to Eddie because Eddie is like the... That's who you get your marijuana from. <laughs> old eddie and she's like stuff's really messing with you You got anything stronger and he's like oh yeah i do but it's back at my place she heads over to his place after the game slash game Mm -hmm. the two games and what's interesting is we find out that he lives in a trailer across from max's trailer yeah yeah. because they live in a trailer park now so she sees them go into the house together yeah the trailer together max is like what the heck is going on that's a weird pairing (laughs) you know and then we get another do you know how much on TikTok this was? I do not. The wake up, Chrissy. I don't like this. Yes. Chrissy, yeah. wake up. So. I mean, that was people were, you know, they on TikTok, they do the thing where they play it and then they mouth it. Yeah. That was all over the place. I believe it. It was memed all day long. I believe it. But he's looking for the the he's looking for the drugs and Chrissy is floating into the air. Oh. And then just all her bones. Oh, it was terrible. It was like, yeah, this is what, TV 14? Let's do it. You're going to give us all this money and give us a, a whole bunch of leeway? Yeah, we're going to take full advantage of all this rope you're going to give us. But incredibly gruesome. Yeah. Like, they leveled up. Like, because it it's been demons and monsters before. And, like, you know, L's always been sort of blowing people up. But this is Nightmare on Elm Street. This yep. is like, I'm in a waking dream right now. This right. person is levitating and... Is that a dismemberment when you like? I don't know what it was. A, probably a gross word for it, but torn asunder almost and just yeah. snapped an instant death. And yeah. you're like, what is happening? Yeah. What is happening? She's in the, the upside down. Obviously, how is she in the upside down? We don't know, but she's in there being tormented by this crazy burn victim looking guy. <laughs> it was just, just ugh. who we come to learn is Vecna. Yeah. Well, that's what they, they dub him. Yeah. That's kind of how the, the it started off with the first episode, and that was like the Big Bang. Yep. And it was great. It's funny because I went to look back at the runtime of the first episode, mm-hmm. and it's the same as the rest of them. Yeah, for the, some reason, I thought it was longer because they jammed so much stuff into it. Oh, for sure. But it wasn't. <laughs> no, but that sets up the, the Hawkins movie you were talking about, the Nightmare on Elm Street version. It did. That kind of set up the Hawkins movie and. The, it, it kind of leaned into that. It, it's not really until the second episode that they really start separating the threads into the different movies. Yep. The second episode is Vecna's Curse, and we get like the Hawkins episode. That's when you got 
this dead girl. And because Eddie's there, he becomes prime suspect number one. Exactly. And like you're saying, Max is there, so it sort of starts putting the the interrogation together. Right. And Max sees the body. Yes. And like how messed up it is. And she remembers the lights went funny. That's right. When that was happening. That's right. And she knows what funny lights means in Hawkins, Indiana. That happens in season one. Yeah. So suddenly she goes from being totally depressed girl to I got to tell my friends. That's true. Like she goes from being like, I don't want to talk to any of you anymore. Yeah. Closed off, isolated. Yeah, to, to like, I need to talk to my friends now. Something's funky going down yeah. in Stranger Things town. Time to get the Scooby gang back together. Or the, what are they called? The Scoop Troop? The Scoop Troop. Yeah, it is a Scoop Troop. Yeah. <laughs> I like Scooby gang though. That's, a, that's an old Buffy reference. I know. But they're the Scoop Troop. But this is where we start veering off into uh, Russia. Yeah. We get the Russia Cold War Rambo-ish action movie <laughs> starting. It's way better than a Rambo movie, but still. Yeah. It has that that vibe of, I mean, Hopper is getting so beat up. Absolutely. And just taking it. Yep. And it seems unrealistic unless you grew up in the 80s and you used to watch the, those movies. It's like, you know, Die Hard. And just the, <laughs> this, the action hero takes damage to a level that's incomprehensible. And he's being entrapped by the old school 80s villain Russians. Yes. Like they're, they're in the gulag. They're, yes. They have the fuzzy hats, like all that stuff. Yeah, it's <laughs> fuzzy hats. They have a name for those things. Babushkas? No, that's no, grandmothers. The, that's the, what the, yeah, that's the grandmother thing. <laughs> what they're called right now <laughs> but yeah we find out that joyce who's selling encyclopedias from home now is <laughs> trying to make do in california yeah trying to make do in california is sent a package from russia with the hammer and the curvy thing on the stamp uh, and it's and, a whole bunch of stamps which will let you know this actually came from russia yeah and uh it has this little russian doll in it she immediately calls murray oh my god i love murray so much it's great. Brett Gelman, another person that leveled up this season. Yeah. And she breaks it open after thinking it's an explosive, but she breaks it open and finds a like a ransom looking note. Yep. And they're all cut out from magazines. And it's like, Hop is alive. What? It has like a number and it says Enzo on it. Yep. That's a that's a clue. Now we see what what Hopper's up to because he's like he's kind of making deals with the guards. You can tell yeah. he's friendly with one of them, mm-hmm. and it's a whole plot to get money to get this American. You know, get money for the American. Perfect action movie yeah. trope. Mm-hmm. But then we see Hopper like breaking his foot and so, blowing up cabins and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Enzo, the guy who was Enzo, he's from Game. Of, he was in Game of Thrones. Oh, he was okay. Yeah, he's the guy with no. Name, no face. The guy who trains. Oh, I didn't even put that together. Yeah, the yeah. guy with no name. or the, the no a, name. I forget what his name is. He has a name in Game of Thrones that's almost impronounceable. Like Jardek Vagina. It's, it's, something, it's something crazy. Yeah. But the faceless one. Faceless one, right? Yeah, there you was go. Was that what he was called? That is. I didn't yeah. even realize that was the same dude. It is the same dude. That's and crazy. he's awesome. Absolutely. He's great. I love the relationship that builds between Hopper and that character. Oh, for sure. It's that frenemy thing. It's like mutual respect, but Um, also low-level hatred. Yeah. Yeah. We we get along as long as it benefits both of us. But just to go along that little rush, because I think this is the most minor of the the storylines. I would say so. I will say off the dome, it was the one I wanted them to get back to the quickest. Not that the other two were bad, but I was so invested. Like, I love Hopper. But his whole deal goes bad. He tries to get away, Mm -hmm. tries to do the action movie thing, and it doesn't work. Yeah, it looked cool while he was doing it. 
I had to like the one thing that I did look up because yes. I couldn't figure out how he could run. After it seemed like his foot was broken, but it wasn't broken. Yeah, apparently, apparently, all he wanted that guy to do was to bend the shackle out of shape because they were like basically just iron rings that had been welded around their foot, basically, yep. so they could never come off. Mm-hmm. They weren't they weren't ever made to like have like a lock and key on them. So he literally had it bent into like in more of an egg shape so he could get his foot out of it. And I thought that the guy like busted his ankle and I'm like, how's he running around? Well, you're still getting a manacle hammered into your oh, leg. Yeah, it yeah. Def- it, they definitely show that his leg was messed up and it had a big old gash in it. Yeah. Um, and it was painful for him to pull it off of there. But I was like, what the heck is going on? How can you run with a broken foot? Yeah, but they just misshaped the shackle. <laughs> anyway. I was confused. I was like, wait, everything. There was a few things. Everything that I had a problem with, I'll tell you right now, yep. that I looked up, the problem went away because the Duff Brothers thought of it. Same. I just didn't notice it properly. I have I have two nitpicks. One of them so, didn't go away and one of them did. So I'm oh, with you. Interesting. Yeah. My other nitpick that went away, and we're jumping all over the place, but it doesn't matter, is I was wondering when Elle was going through her memories where eight was. But at one point, the orderly says this would have been before eight left. So they actually mentioned it. Oh, cool. But it was so fleeting that unless you watched it more than once, you didn't catch it. It was just a one-up, but yeah, they explained yeah, it. They did explain if you it. you were it paying just, attention. It, I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Sorry, Duffer Brothers. So that whole rush of it. Yeah, let's just do the whole thread. Let's just do the whole Russia thread. So the plan goes south, but uh, Joyce and Murray doing a great team up, another great pairing. That was a great pairing, too. I really enjoyed them together. It was so funny, him coming out to California. Yeah. And then I made risotto. <laughs> there's there's so much little like little humor that they put in. They, they do the wonderful job of lightening the mood so it doesn't get too heavy. Oh, for sure. It's brilliant. And like just in general, I, I bring up relationships because like there's a lot of like, some of the old ones are still there. Yeah. Between like wh- whatever pairing of characters you want to talk mm-hmm. about, some of them are dissolving, but the ones that are there, they they give time to and have yeah. little moments with, like like Stephen Robin. Yeah. That's one. Max and Lucas dissolving but getting back together. Yeah. Mike and Will a little bit. Joyce and Murray. Oh, great. Yeah. It was it's so much fun them going up to Alaska and meeting the Yuri guy. Getting drugged. Man, they did a wonderful misdirect. I love how they just... I wasn't even thinking that Yuri was going to double-cross them at all. Because he he just seemed unhinged. That's it. But it was so brilliantly done that must have been calculated the way they wrote him as just unhinged. So you don't think that he's going to go into the room and be like... All right, I'm double crossing everyone, you know, and you're like, oh, 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 this guy actually knows what's happening, and it makes it like it's ju- justified. It makes sense for that to be his motive. Yeah, you know, I just want money. Yeah, because he's a smuggler. He's smuggling Jeff peanut butter. <laughs> Make a killing on it. Choose the Russians. Choose Jeff. But it's the pacing. They did it so well again because you're so stressed out about Hopper just trying to get away. Yeah, that you think that's where the main conflict is going to be. Yeah, but it's not. It's like, oh, he. he Probably could get away, but uh, the plan just isn't going to be there when it needs to happen. Mm-hmm. I love that. And this is where we get, we get so much action movie stuff. Yes. This is why I say it's like they were just pulling from 80s action movies. Mm-hmm. They're in the airplane and, <laughs> and Joyce and Joyce realizes like like he can't hear us. So let's see if we can break some of this peanut butter. And they were using the shards to 
get un- undone and then he catches them and then she's like you can use your karate and murray's like um you find out that he's going to a kid's karate class they don't well no they don't let anybody under 13 in there <laughs> but his last opponent was 16 his birthday is next month and he beat him murray knows what he's doing he's a black belt <laughs> i thought you were a black belt oh my god but That's- it turns out he kind of <laughs> He sells he was, it. He was. He started doing that. That I think that's from some movie. My fingers are arrows. Yeah. My arms are like steel. Yeah. yeah. My legs are spears. <laughs> it's so good. So good. And he does it. He kicks the crap out of Yuri. That's it. And but then they, <laughs> they can't fly the plane. Joyce yells at him. He wasn't supposed to kick, <laughs> kick the crap out of him. He was just only supposed to, you know, subdue him yeah. so he could still fly. But nope. <laughs> Crash landing. And thankfully, there's lots of snow in Siberia. So you can kind of have a soft crash and landing. I think that's the only reason they survive. Yeah, snow. I, I believe it. There's like probably like 20 feet of snow there. That's true. Yeah. But that is a pretty brutal airplane landing yeah. for being out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, for sure. 80s movie, though. <laughs> that's one of, it's just 80s action movie. If you look at through the lens of an 80s action movie, yes. everything makes sense. Absolutely. Everything makes sense. Except for the big meal that, so we cut like uh, Joyce yeah. and Yuri and Murray are all there and they're trying to figure out how to get out of the wilderness. Yeah, because Hopper got recaptured. Yep. Because he, because Yuri called, he told on Enzo. Yeah. Then he said, I know exactly where he's hiding. He's hiding where I keep all my jeans and peanut butter. My liquid gold. Which is why it wasn't taken because the KGB went in there and got Hopper. And then when they show back up there, when Enzo that's and right. the, all his stuff's still there. Yeah. That's because. They got the American. Yeah, was probably the deal. I will tell you what the American is. Just leave everything in there alone or no deal. That's a valid point. Yeah. But yeah, Hopper and Enzo do get put in the prison together in the cell. They get put in the bad part of the prison. Creepy part of the prison. The creepy with something behind the door. Uh, but this was one of my favorite scenes. It's, this is where I really got hooked on the Russia storyline. Mm-hmm. You know, they're having interactions in their cell. Enzo and Hopper are mad at each other. We get a little beat about Hopper. When he was in the army, he handled Agent Orange. Yeah, when he was in Vietnam. That was almost a throwaway. Yeah. And the way he described it, you were like, I've heard that story before. Yeah. Like, that's not but a that's made why his, thing. But that's why his daughter died. That's, it was just a little moment. They well, almost the, the original Jane, right? That yeah. was her, yeah. Mm-hmm. That was part of the cover. But we're just now getting that in season four. Yeah, I know. And it's just almost in a like in a real sad way because he's like, I'm done. I give up. Yeah, like, that's why his wife left him, too. Oh. She was like, you knew this could happen to our kid? Yeah, it's har- yeah, it's heartbreaking. Now you understand why this guy was like taking pills and drinking at the same time. And was the first- there for ill every time she needed. Yeah. Amazing. But then that's followed up by, I love this scene, but so there's these Russian, these prisoners that are in the bad part of the, the, the prison, mm-hmm. and they're walked into a room, and they're given this fancy meal. Yeah. It's just a huge bread. It's like a medieval feast. Yeah, there's like a pig's head with an <laughs> apple in its mouth, I think. And they all start chowing down, and Enzo's like harping on Hopper. He's like, oh, he's giving up on life because Harper's just sitting there. It looks like he's getting drunk on yeah. a huge bottle of vodka, yeah. his old habits. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, watch out, Hopper. He's like, oh, he has given up on life. But they're joking in Russia. It's like, we're getting a fine feast because we're going to be in a battle. And Hopper's like... You're not going to be in a battle. You're being uh, fed for slaughter. Yeah, fattened up. And they did it so perfectly because Hopper's just talking about it. And then one of the Russians is like, translate, translate. What yeah. is he saying? And then he translates and it gets that second beat of, what, what's happening now? Yeah. My one nitpick is that they showed this mm. in the trailer. That oh, yeah. It was a Demogorgon. Yeah, yeah. Had they not shown that in the trailer, it would have been more of a surprise. Right. But this nitpick is fixed by the actual fight with the Demogorgon. Mm-hmm. We were talking about people in the air levitating and being killed. Yeah. This Demogorgon fight was 
beyond brutal. Right. Like, it's the thing. Like, yeah. people are just getting eviscerated. Yeah. But I loved the what, what, what you, commandant of the prison. Yes. Um, no, what you, the warden, I guess. <laughs> but he's in the military guy, so it makes me want to say commandant. <laughs> but he was so, like, Star Wars villain. Perfect. Just was perfect. And Murray sneaks his way in there pretending to be Yuri. Because he speaks perfect Russian. Because it, he was hanging out with, oh, Isaac, whatever, the, the slushy guy. Yeah. Like, that's how he, mm-hmm. I, I that, think that's how they justify him being that well at Russian. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, he just knows perfect Russian. And he pulls out the gun and sticks it in his side. And he's like, stop this now. You know, the fight that's going on. Yeah. And he's like, no. <laughs> he's like, if I stop this, I get killed anyway. I'm a dead man, no matter what. So... Oh, well. You shoot me now, I die. I, I, they found out about me tomorrow, I die. I die. Yeah. It was very like, there's like, oh, he was getting so many no's. So then they like took him to the control room and try and figure. And then in the same thing, he got the same like, sorry, communist country, totalitarianism. Because <laughs> he was like, I'm going to shoot your commandant. And he's like, okay, I'm not letting the thing out because I let it out. We're all dead. So yeah. I'm not doing anything. So then he's like, okay, karate time. <laughs> it was just so like it was funny because he was kind of like dejected and yes. that he had to kick everyone's butt. <laughs> it's like, why aren't you intimidated? It's like, uh, sorry, you came to the wrong place to intimidate people. He was like, fine. Ki-ay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Hopper wasn't just getting drunk off the vodka. He was stealing the vodka as fuel. Yeah. And they got he got in a fake fight with Enzo so that he could steal the Zippo off of one of the guards. So that he could make a fire spear because he knew that Demigorgons don't like fire. I don't think it was a fake fight, though, because that's why Enzo laughed so hard because I really think Hopper gave it to him. No, I think he did. Yeah, no, I mean, it's as fake of a fight as a hockey fight is. True. You know, the two guys know that they're going to fight. I get it. Yeah. But then Hopper and Joyce get back together. Yeah. That's another beautiful moment. Uh, Just slow and meaningful. Hooray. Talking about relationships again, man. They do a real good job. Uh, and that one was kind of left hanging on us there. That wasn't resolved. Not at all. Um, but yeah, that is probably the uh, tightest of the stories, yep. the smallest of the stories. We'll save the Hawkins one for the last because that is like kind of the main thrust. There you it. go. So we also got our California slash war game story. There you go. That, that kind of starts in the second episode. And we get Mike going out to California to visit Eleven. His best friend and his girlfriend. Yeah, his best friend and his girlfriend. And... Will's all grumpy because he's a third wheel and Elle's lying like crazy, which is making Will even more grumpy. She's like, it's great out here. And I have this friend named Angela. And Will's like, what are you talking about? He's trying to start that new high school life, man. Yeah. But friends don't lie. Friends don't lie. And she was lying like crazy. But she's going to take Mike to Rinkomania, the place where she goes all the time. I love skating rinks. So I know. Mikey has a great history of roller skating. That's, I spent my weekends there with my brother and my sister. I like that circle under the disco light. Yeah. It brings me back. But then we get like at Rinkomania, everything comes to a head and we get like a carry moment. We do. Basically. Mm-hmm. Where, but instead of pig's blood, it's chocolate shakes. Chocolate shakes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but still that slow-mo like, oh no, everything is going yeah. bad. Everything's going bad. Oh yeah. We hadn't mentioned that earlier. They were bullying her outside of school, mm-hmm. and she tried to like do her like I'm gonna squish your head with my powers, and all she did was scream at her basically and make her m- look more like the weird new yeah, kid. Yeah, like the whole school saw it, yeah. and they're like, okay, so the whole school is at Rinkomania, so they're all on board with messing with her. Absolutely, and apparently the DJ is one of the students too, <laughs> so he's like, you know. 
Like at, at first I was like, why would the DJ go for that? And then, like I'm watching it with my kids and they're like, he's probably like a senior and that's his Weekend part-time geek. job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, you're right. I didn't even think about that. Boo to that DJ. Don't no, do that. I know for sure. What a jerk. But yeah, it was a total Karen moment. And then she gets her come up and because she smashes Angela with a roller skate. That was the best. It was. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know. I don't I uh, were we supposed to not like that moment? Because I was like, yeah. It's it's what we were hoping was happening. Because like we were saying <laughs> earlier, we know that kid and we've been that kid in those moments. And it's, it's yes, it's violence. We're not condoning violence. But seeing Elle do it and getting her come up, and yeah. it's like thumbs up. But the way like her, like the cut just, they like showed the cut, like just start bleeding. And it was, it was nasty. They're leveling up the gore for this one. Yeah, it was nasty. But again, yes, we don't condone violence. So don't do that. Oh, that's gonna leave a mark, pretty girl. Uh, Mm -hmm. Have fun being a mean girl now, you weirdo. (laughs) Oh, I think Mikey and I have been bullied in her past, and we probably need to talk to someone about it. Um, Anyway, (laughs) oh, but that's not the only thing to go wrong for for our California friends. Yeah, this is kind of along this because it's the war games thing. We get a scene where we get to see. Paul Reiser's back. Yeah. And we get to see a whole scene where he's visited by this army guy who comes in a helicopter to his house. That's it. Which is kind of shocking. (laughs) Yeah, helicopter right in the backyard. Yeah, and when the army guy comes out, we're like, oh, I saw that army guy. He was back in Hawkins looking at the twisted up body because the the detective was like, I don't know what I'm looking at here. That's it. So they called in the army? The, The government. Yeah, the government. So he's basically like, hey, look at this body. It's all twisted up like that 11 kid used to do yeah where's the 11 kid and he's like 11 kid died at that mall fire and he's like i don't believe you but i'm leaving you know because it's 80s movie right that's it <laughs> well he did have the house search and everything but thankfully paul riser is awesome and had the important stuff hidden that's it but he's like uh-oh l's in danger we got to get her out of there but l's in even more danger because she just got arrested for assault <laughs> and then she's in there and the poor kid still doesn't know how to act. Nope. And they're like, why'd you do that? And she's like, I don't know. And they're like, this kid's a psychopath. She was coming across as a psychopath. Very much so. So the, you know, they, th- they throw her in the, the juvie van. And the juvie van gets a little bit into the desert before it gets stopped by some black cars. We'll take her from here. And we're like, oh, no. Yes. But then they got her. But then Paul Reiser gets out of one of the cars. And we're like, oh, yeah. I'm mad about you, Paul Reiser. I love Paul Reiser so much. And I love him as this character. Yeah. He's the the good papa. It's like bad papa, good papa. Oh, for sure. He's like good papa. Absolutely. He's another one that they give him a little bit less time, but the time he is given, he makes work real well. Oh, it's great. And he convinces Elle that bad stuff's happened in Hawkins. I know you don't have anything to do with it, but you're the one who can stop it. And she also tells him straight up that she doesn't have her powers anymore. Right. So he's like, I can't do it. Like, why do you want me? And he's like, you're the one I trust to save the, the planet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll get your powers back. Mm-hmm. She's like, I think I'm a bad person. And, and he, he literally says, I'm betting the fate of the planet that you're one of the good ones. There you go. See, good papa. Yeah, good papa. He takes her to some undisclosed location. And suddenly at the buyer's house, the same feds show up. And they're like, okay, you guys are kind of in danger. So these two guys are going to hang out with you. Yep. And you're not under arrest, but you can't leave the house. <laughs> so you kind of are under arrest. House arrest. And here's a note from L for Mike. Yes. And basically, I left to become a superhero, which was like, aw, because she was mad at him and they had a little fight. 
about him changing the end of his letters yeah. from love to from. Yeah. Like, it, ooh, that's high school level. Yeah. Like, the romance is gone. Yeah, that was a lover's quarrel <laughs> right there. But anyway, he's like, you're a superhero. So she's like, I want to become a superhero. It was sweet. Speaking of the kids being under house arrest is my final nitpick. And I got over it. It's not re- it's a, It was just a me thing that I caught and couldn't unsee. But the one relationship that I had trouble buying into is Mike and Will. Because yeah. they seem the oldest out of the kids now. Yeah. And like Will started out kind of the youngest. Yeah. And this is the only time it really stood out to me that, oh, these kids are older now. Mm-hmm. And they're still trying to make them have like just in high school conversations. Yeah. And it works. I mean, I buy that they're best friends, but this mm-hmm. was the one time I noticed like, ooh, older actors. Yeah. This is like a 27 year old in high school again. Yeah. But they're not that old though. They aren't, but I got that vibe. Oh, okay. I got the same vibe from the basketball captain, but. But he's, he's supposed to be like that. Oh, really? Okay. No, well, I mean, the basketball captain is supposed to be the typical. Mature, yeah, he's supposed to be the typical '80s jock who was always played by some thirty-year-old actor. Oh, for sure. So they got a thirty-year-old actor because that guy's literally thirty. Okay, <laughs> they did that on purpose. That's a Duff, that's Duffer Brothers winking at you, Mikey. I get it. That's them winking at you hard. But I'm pretty sure that those kids are only like nineteen. I believe it. I mean, I buy it. It just I noticed it and I was like, eh. And yeah. then I got over it because the show, the story is awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, they do have the moment where they kind of make up. Mm-hmm. They come to an understanding, even though <laughs> so many times Mike's not getting it. He's like, it's hard for people to tell people things that in Mike's like, uh-huh. Yeah. Which is perfect. He's That's a 16-year-old right there. Absolutely. Or however old he's supposed to be. I think, there's, I think that's the thing. They're supposed to be like 15, but they're actually like 19. Because that's where the growing happens between 15 and... For sure. Between freshman year and senior year, those are different looking humans. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. But this is the best. Do you, lo- do you love Argyle as much as... Of course I Jonathan's do. Jonathan's friend Argyle? He's... Oh, he's the, you're talking about how they were smart to put in moments of levity and comic relief. Yeah. This is the perfect dazed and confused yeah, 80s high Because California. School. Oh. He's like, hey, man, I got a pizza van. You want to go for a ride? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's great, but it's their ticket out from the two feds that are guarding them. Oh, one beat in that is that Officer Harmon, I want to say, yeah, totally just goes into action and like we thought. I thought Hopper was going to get all the action scenes as far as like gunfights and action movie stuff. That scene in the house. Oh yeah, that scene in the house. See, that's what's like total war games to me. There's so much war game stuff, but this is like war games too. Absolutely. you know, they call our. They're like, okay, we can we can bust out of here if we call Argyle. Mm-hmm. So they they're like, can we get pizza? Because Argyle drives the pizza van, <laughs> and the guys are like, oh, it's it's smart. That one guy they cast was Tubby. Yes. So he was like, I could go for pizza. It, totally, that's a guy who could go for pizza. <laughs> but he looks like a guy who could go for pizza. Yep. And the doorbell rings, and we think it's Argyle with the pizza, but it's a freaking guy in woodland camo with a silenced pistol and just pop pop. Just pops the guy who opens the, and then it's like, uh oh. And then they're, they're coming through the doors. Yeah. And Harmon goes in action mode and is like, get behind me, boys. Yeah. And just starts popping guys. When I shoot, you move. Get behind me. Oh, get to the wall. It was exciting. Oh, he was just on point. Mm-hmm. I was like, this guy rocks. Yeah. He, I thought he was just chubby pizza loving cop yeah. that didn't want to be on house arrest. But no, he delivered, but also gets shot. He does get shot. I just love when they get in Argyle's van. He's like, he's like, oh, what's going on, man? Drive. <laughs> Uh, right right before Argyle shows up, though, but he sees all the feds cars. He's like, buyer's not cool, man. You started a party and didn't invite me? Not cool, man. <laughs> oh, gosh. 
But oh, no, they get they get Harmon into the van and drive away, and Harmon dies in the van. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A, uh. yeah, he's trying to write a number down on the with a pen he had pulled out. Saying, Nina, Nina. Yeah. And they're like, I don't know. He died. So they go to the abandoned place where they shoot golf balls with the cars. Yep. And then bury him. <laughs> and Argyle's all freaking out. And the other three of them are like, oh, this isn't the first body we've had to bury. <laughs> but Argyle does freak out. And they're like, go chill out in the van. He's like, okay, man. And he starts making the headstone. Yeah, he tried to make the headstone and the pen wouldn't work. And so Mike's like, why would he have a pen that doesn't work? And then he's like, hmm. And he's like, give me that pen. And he takes it apart. And it has the number in there. A number that, ah, Duff Brothers love you. It's not a 555 number. That's it's a, true. It's a real number. And you can call that number. Do you get the same little machine? Yep. Oh, really? You get a dial-up. You get dial-up. That means they bought that line. That's awesome. Yeah. You get dial-up. Yeah, they called the, at a payphone. And it's the, di- it's the dial-up noises we know. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me nostalgic, though. But that's when they actually make the War Games reference. I was like, oh, I get it. Yeah, and they're like, we need a hacker. And Mike's like, I know where a hacker is. (laughs) Salt Lake City, Utah. Just a hop, skip, jumping away. Road trip. To go see Susie. Oh, this was great. Go see Susie. Yeah. Susie's house was, to me, like a total... 80s dad in charge, Mr. Mom. Absolutely. What what cheaper by the dozen? There's so many, there's so many of those movies. Absolutely. Where the dad's in charge and the kids go feral. <laughs> Especially since there's like seven, eight yeah. of them. Yeah. And that's what was happening in this house. It, it was the dad was in charge, so the kids were feral. It was great. <laughs> it was perfect. It reminded me of all those movies. It had a home alone vibe to it. Yeah, home yeah, alone. Because they're making movies, they're yeah. like shooting bow and arrows. Yeah. Shutting off the breakers. Definitely. It was it was it was hilarious. But they they find Susie wearing a hard hat, like putting up some kind of satellite dish on the roof. Trying to get that signal, even though she got her computer taken away by yeah. dad. Yeah, she got her computer taken away by dad because she changed Dusty Bun's Latin grade. <laughs> oh, yeah, that little, yep. A la War Games slash Ferris Bueller. That's right, how both of them start off, I think. Yeah. Oh, well, Ferris Bueller, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> What's with uh, Matthew Broderick and hacking? I don't know. <laughs> he looked like the hacker, but still had Hollywood good looks. Maybe but that's it. But the biggest reference to War Games was, holy crap, her older sister, who's supposed to be in charge, Eden, yes. looks exactly like Ali Sheedy. She does. Yes. And I, Argyle's in love, and I'm in love because I was in love with Ali Sheedy back then. And Ali Sheedy was the girlfriend in War Games. Absolutely. But it's Ali Sheedy Breakfast Club look. I was going to say Ali Sheedy done craft style. The craft with Feruza Bulk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's like, the, the if we're going Stranger Things horror movie, that, that would be the horror twist mm-hmm. to it. But it's all that like yeah. late 80s, early 90s goth chick in one. And then Argyle's like, I'm in love. Yeah. I'll do whatever you want me to. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So good. That's a great minor character. Yeah. But they distract the dad and are able to get to the computer and... Um, they give her a whole line that it's some Nintendo game or something. American Tinto, American Tendo. Yeah, <laughs> American Tendo. And they, none of them know what the internet is. That was great. She's like, the, "It's on the internet," and they're like, "What?" Yeah, I'll just look for the IP address. What? what? It's so funny because it's like everyone knows those terms now, but back then, appropriately, they're like, "What?" They they gave props to Susie though. She's like, "It's the internet. It'll be a big deal." <laughs> like she knows. She does know. And then he's like, can you print this out? And she's like, no, I only know how to get geolocated addresses. <laughs> so sarcastic. <laughs> yeah, I know. I love the sass. Yes. 
But this is where we find out where where the Project Nina is located. Yeah, well, the Project Nina, where Owens takes L to this. It's just in the middle of nowhere. There's just this door, basically. It looks like they're going to be working out of a barn. Yeah. No, but it's an abandoned missile silo. Abandoned missile silo. And he's like, sorry, everyone's staring. You're kind of a celebrity here. And here's Nina. It's this deprivation tank. And, oh, look, uh, there's Papa. He's alive and just has a big scar on his face. What? Papa. That's, that surprised me. Oh, sure. Were you surprised? I, he was supposed to be dead. Yeah. That straight up surprised me because they were brilliant. I don't know if they did this on purpose, but they were brilliant to put Matthew Modine in a flashback scene. Because he's listed in the credits. That's right. So you're like, Matthew Modine. I remember when I saw it, I was like, Matthew Modine. And then they do the flashback. I'm like, oh, they just got him for this flashback thing. I get it. But no, he's there and alive. He's back to his new, his old new tricks. And I'm going to get your powers back. And then we totally have good papa, bad papa. Them constantly being like, it's too much. It's too little. You're pushing her too hard. And you're not pushing her enough. Oh, great. Yeah, because he's pushing her by putting this, what, it's like a sensory deprivation tank. It's a sensory deprivation tank, like they had her in before. And this is another thing that that touches on the topic that have been through most of these episodes is character trauma. Yeah. You know, personal trauma. Mm -hmm. Everybody's got a little bit of it. Else is that her powers are gone. Yeah. That Papa, bad Papa thinks that, you know, it's kind of like a stroke that somebody interfered with her and Mm -hmm. she lost her power. So get in this tank and we're going to go through all your repressed memories Mm -hmm. and unblock them and see if they come back. Yeah. He has every every videotape of every closed circuit television that was in the lab. Creepy. In this room. And we get to meet this orderly who looks just like Alex from Clockwork Orange. Oh, for sure. Yeah. To give give him the bowler hat and the eye makeup. Yeah. And, My droogs for sure. And he's befriending Eleven. This is when all the other kids are there. And like I said, the eight was missing, but he mentioned it at some point. This mm-hmm. was before eight left. And he's kind of befriending Ellen, whispering in her ear, being like, hey, you remind me of number one. Mm-hmm. Number one was the most powerful one. She's like, number one isn't doesn't exist. And oh, no, sometimes Papa lies. <laughs> You remind he's jealous of you and just all manipulative and you're like you're sitting there going like I think he's helping but he looks like Alex from Clockwork Orange so I think there's something wrong here I don't know what's happening right oh for sure yeah it's like sinister but also at the same time they did the wonderful juxtaposition is that she's getting bullied as bad as she was in school if not worse by the other kids who are in the lab with her number two is a Dinkus. Oh, the worst. I mean, he needs to be hit in the face with a roller skate <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Telepathically, though. Uh, but she's tormented by these kids for some reason or another. And he says it's because they know she's more powerful. Yep. So you're like, oh, maybe he is on her side. And then he's trying to get help her escape. That's it. Giving and, her the heads up. Right. Mm-hmm. And then takes her down to the basement and is like, crawl this thing. And you're like, oh, this is how she escapes. you totally thinking That's that. It. Mm-hmm. But that's it's not. Something else is going on. He's and she's like, Aren't you coming with me? He's like, I can't come with you. Right? I got a tracker in me. Yeah, I got this tracker in me. And she's like, Oh, I can pull that out with my powers, right? Yeah. <laughs> What's interesting though, and this sort of gave it a little bit away for me because I did look it up, but it's like uh Solaterra is the name the name he gives his little tracker. Yeah. That's actually a thing. I mean, it's reference to a goddess that's the goddess of protection and defense from harm. Mm-hmm. But it's also used in like psychotherapy, like I'm not sure if it's a medication or a t- type of treatment, but it is to be like prevent you from self-harm and keep you still and stable mm-hmm. and protect you, not to like trap you or keep you somewhere. 
But so like that was a little bit of a disconnect for me. That's what I get for Googling. But that's when I started to get the vibes of like, is he helping or is he not? What is this orderly up to? Yeah. But then she takes that chip out of his neck, right? Well, it helps him. Yep. And the thing is, while she was going through the memories, she kept like she's having just these memories of her trying to learn how to train. Mm-hmm. And Papa is saying like me showing you learning how to train before will help you learn how to train now. It's a how you got your powers before will get your powers back now. True. But she kept having this, these crazy intrusive Those flashbacks we flashbacks saw from the beginning. From the beginning mm-hmm. of the massacre at Hawkins Lab. And at one point she wakes up and she's like, oh my God, I killed all those kids. Yeah, she's convinced it's her. Yeah, she's convinced it's her. But this is the part when she takes the chip out of the orderly. We, the orderly goes on a psychic rampage because we find out that he's won. He's been won the whole time, and he's the one who does the massacre. That's crazy. It wasn't her at all. And talk about them leveling up and using their TV-14. I mean, he's just just cracking people's necks and everything. Wasn't there a parallel, though? Because like, it's one that's cracking the necks of the guards in the hallway, but didn't Elle do something she did. in season one? Yep, okay, she did. so it was a parallel. There. Oh, yeah. I was like, this looks so familiar, and I'm like, oh. No, yeah, she did. Yeah, that's a callback, I gotcha. even though it's before. Call back forward. Forward back call. <laughs> It's a callback to something she learned it f- from watching one, basically. Oh, things the last couple of episodes get wibbly wobbly as, as far as Project Nina goes, so we can get into it in a minute. But yeah, that's not the only people that are finding stuff out. This is where we can go back to Hawkins. Yeah, that kind of it concludes Eleven's thread, really. Mm-hmm. But something happens with Eleven and One. Yeah, that happens simultaneously with, with what goes on in Hawkins. <laughs> And it, it's it's something that I almost saw, but I didn't see. It was just very satisfying. So we go all the way back to Hawkins, and this is our Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Ooh. And you're dealing with, they're trying to figure out how Chrissy died. They're trying to find Eddie. Yep. They know he didn't do it. You have Nancy being an investigative journalist going over and interviewing Eddie's uncle. With her new dweeby n- newspaper partner. Yeah. <laughs> the minor character that I don't like. No, I'm just kidding. You don't? He, he was fine, but he's that he's the, the nerd that is also trying to be like cool like a jock. I don't know. Definitely. No, he, definitely. He had that funny vibe to him. So what's his name? Pete? Uh, Fred. Fred. Yeah, sorry, Fred. No hard feelings. <laughs> you weren't one of my favorites. And she's told the story. The, the uncle's like, there's no way that Eddie did this because he knows, too, that Eddie might look mean, but he's a sweetheart. He's known him forever. Yep. It's his nephew. Uh, and he goes, this looks exactly like this murderer from when I was a kid named Victor Krill. And he was supposed to be in an insane asylum, but I think he must have escaped. And he did this to this poor girl because it looks exactly like it. It was the crimes that started off the spookiness in Hawkins. Some yeah. Say. So Nancy is in total investigative reporter mode. And she's like, OK, we need to figure out this Victor Krill lead. Mm-hmm. But where did Fred go? Fred's missing now. Right? What's happening? Dun, dun. And, and we find out that Fred is hearing the ticking clock, seeing the grandfather Ding. clock, just like, yeah, just like old Chrissy was seeing. So now we know that the clock is a thing. It is. Because we thought it was just Chrissy, but now it's him, too. <laughs> and he has some trauma from the weird things that have been happening to him. The police officer who let him in turned into a demon for a second. That's right. And then we find out that. He like was in some car accident where he was driving and the kid who was with him got killed. Oh, so he's enough. got trauma from that. And then next thing we know, he's meeting Vecta in the upside down and getting lifted in the air and broken into a million pieces too. 
So gruesome. You didn't have to worry about Fred that much. He wasn't there very long. But I wouldn't <laughs> want that to happen. <laughs> That's a nightmare on Elm Street. We keep saying it, but yeah, uh, it's got the same creepy visuals. It's surreal. We got the, the scoop troop trying to f- find out where Eddie is and also trying to figure out this Victor Krill thing. So they break up in two. <laughs> And we get the next best. There's so many good pairings. And this one is awesome. The, the pairing of Robin and Nancy is so good. So good. So good. Great friends. Great friends. They're the they they're the perfect opposites that mesh together so well. <laughs> it's great. We already knew Maya Hawk was great, and she's killing it too. Like all of the, it's very interesting. It's like all of the kind of sub characters from last season are like pushed to the front. Yes. In this season, I don't know if it's on purpose, but they're given scenery to chew on and they chew it up great. They rise to the occasion for sure. But them in the library looking through the microfiche, looking at the weekly watcher where they finally find the story of Victor Creel and the demon stuff and then working their way into the insane asylum. In their little cotillion dresses, like in their fake disguises. Yeah, it, it was great. And then getting down there to see Victor Creel and who is Victor Creel? Have we been talking about Nightmare on Elm Street this whole time? We'll keep saying it because mm-hmm. it was none other than Robert Englund. Robert Englund, Freddy Krueger himself. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. I can't even do that voice, but yes, you know it when you hear it. Robert Englund is playing Victor Creel in this. Yes. And he tells the whole story of like what went on in his house and that it was there was demons in his house and... That his wife got killed and his daughter got killed. And they were all having like traumatic experiences. Yeah. Like each and every one of them. Yeah. That's trauma again. And his wife got killed and then his daughter and his son collapse in the foyer and he thinks he's leaving the house, but he's not. He's in the upside down and everything's going crazy. But then he hears music. One of his, he hears his favorite song. Oh, yeah. Ella Fitzgerald. Yeah, Ella Fitzgerald. Voice of an angel. Yeah, and it, and it pulls him out of it. But by that time, the police are arresting him and putting him in a sane asylum. And he cuts his own eyeballs out because he wants to join his family who got their eyeballs cut out. And he like literally goes crazy because he's put in an insane asylum. Uh, it's PTSD. It's demons. Yeah. It's that's oh, so gruesome with his eyes. And whew. they're like, oh, OK, now whatever's in this house, this is what was doing it. So oh, for sure, the rest of the Scooby gang went and f- they found Eddie at for Rick's place. <laughs> right. I think so. Yeah. yeah, it was great because the whole scene where they're at the video store and they're they're trying to they figure he went to hide somewhere he knew. Yes. Remember? That's right. And, and so they're going they're using the the video because everyone in town goes to the video store. But right. Yeah. But they're looking at his rental history. Yeah. They were, they were trying to f- <laughs> find where all his friends were. And then they thought about Reefer Rick. And then they, they like found the guy who rented all the Cheech and Chong movies. <laughs> it's perfect. And so they found where Reefer Rick was. And it was like out near Lover's Lake. So it's a perfect place to hide. Ooh. So they found him out there. A make out spot. <laughs> and they found Eddie. Eddie's freaked out and doesn't think anyone will believe him. And they're like, try me. And then the, he tells him, and like, yeah, so there's this thing called the Upside Down. And he's like, you believe me? And he's like, yeah, we've seen way weirder than that. Way weirder. And this guy sounds a lot like Vecna because so, they love to use D&D to name whatever monster they're fighting. That's it. So th- they say this is like Vecna. And they got a name to it. They got uh, his, what do you call it? M.O. modus operandi, the way he works. Mm-hmm. And now they just got to figure out how to get to him. Where's he at? Where's he at? Well, he's in the Upside Down. But how do we get there? Because L's not here to help us. That's true. But we need to figure it out because 
Eddie's in trouble because the police are after Eddie. And Jason, the captain, is after Eddie because he figured out the whole thing because he got he was one of the primary suspects because he's the boyfriend of Chrissy who got murdered. That's true. So he got interrogated by the police. Mm-hmm. So he's going vigilante. Luke, poor Lucas is like trying to like pretend that he doesn't know any of these Hellfire kids. Yeah, he's like, I'm not associated with them. Please let me be a basketball player. Right. Oh, wait, you really want to kill my friends? Uh, okay, let's just run around a little yeah, bit. Yeah, he sent him on a wild goose chase. I totally thought they did a wonderful thing. I thought Lucas sold him out. Oh, true. I totally did. But then he actually took him to Hopper's cabin yeah. instead of the... Because he was like, I have a clue. And I was like, oh, no, he sold him out because they had just talked to Dustin and he said where they were. Mm-hmm. But nope, he took him to Hopper's cabin and then ran away. So Lucas is still a bro. Way to go, buddy. I'm proud of you, Lucas. Oh, for sure. You realized who, who the good guys are in this case. Who your two friends are. Because Jason's a jerk. And <laughs> gun vigilante is totally bought in the satanic panic thing because he thinks Hellfire is a cult. You mentioned it earlier. Like, uh, they, were, they were reading the articles in the cafeteria at the beginning of the episodes, but they leveled up. Like, they represented it kind of how it was the mass hysteria when it originally mm-hmm. happened. Like, you know, it, it wasn't as extreme as some people have you believe, but... They play it up almost perfectly. Like it's a town hall and he's yeah. like he has righteous cause and he's like, It's not a club, it's a cult. And you're like, No, stop. Yeah. So who gave artists. this kid a microphone again? No, I know. And then the the parents of our heroes are like, Our kids are in that club. Oh no. And we have to get them all there in a cult. And then he he finds Eddie with his buddy who's also been hearing the ticking clock. So you know that's not good. Yep. And Eddie's escaping in a boat, and they go swimming after him. And then that poor kid gets lifted up in the air and broken into a million pieces. And then, and instead of being like, Eddie didn't have anything to do with it, he's like, Eddie's possessed by the devil and has using the devil's powers to do this thing. Yeah. Which, like, of course, makes the cops go, what? But good on the cops that they're not, you know, that they're they're staying calm and they have cooler heads prevail. But man, it's 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 justification for him for Jason being a jerk. But mm-hmm. even still, it's like that's a level of creepy. He's like, you don't understand. The body levitated out of the water, and Eddie is possessed by Satan. How do you overcome evil? It's like what? No, you ran into that way wrong. Way wrong. But. Eddie got away to Lover's Rock. Mm-hmm. Lover's Rock? Is that what it's called? Skull, uh, Lover's, Skull, Lake. Lover's Lake Skull Rock, because it go. looked like a skull. <laughs> that was right. The perfect GM D&D place to meet up. And we get wonderful, good old-fashioned Dustin and Steve arguing, because he's <laughs> like, I've taken a lot of girls up to Skull Rock. I know how to get there. And Dustin's like, I want to use this compass. But they get all lost, because the compass is all wonky. Yep. And the only reason the compass is wonky is if there's a portal nearby. Ooh. Electromagnetic magic. Mm -hmm. They figure out it's in the middle of the lake, basically, where that guy got killed. Oh, for sure. Yep. And only the older teenagers can fit in the boat. So they go out there and Steve gets sucked into the upside down. He finds the gate, which doesn't call it water gate. (laughs) (laughs) I love that nobody like it's just eye rolls all around. Yeah. But Dustin's like, get it. It's one water gate, water gate. Uh Oh, but the younger kids get captured by the cops yep. and taken home and interrogated. Try and create a distraction because the older kids are in the boat, too. Yeah. And, of course, Steve gets sucked in the upside down. And Nancy's like, I'm a hero, too. I'm going to go get him. And then Robin's like, well, I'm going, too. And then Eddie's sitting there going like, um... <laughs> And then he's di- like, I think he screams when he dives into. He's like, yeah. no! <laughs> That's great. 
And Steve's in the upside down getting attacked by Sturges. They look like Sturges. I think people call them de- demi bats or mm-hmm. demo bats, but they they're like Sturges from Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, for sure. Those bat skeeto things. I, but I I think they've stayed away from official D and D for naming, sure. For so, sure. But I'm with you. No, they Vecna Mind Flayer. Those are official D and D. Demigorgon. Those are all official D and D names. I thought Demigorgon was a, a modification of something. Okay, never mind. I don't think so. Point retracted. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. But yeah, he's getting chewed up. It's They probably stay away from Sturges because those don't exactly look like Sturges. And the people who fight them, none of them play Dungeons & Dragons. Well, no, Eddie's there. You yeah. could have called them Sturges. Sorry, he, I forgot Eddie was a he, he knows Oz, He knows who Ozzy is. Oh my gosh, that's funny. You were totally Ozzy on that. He's like, he's like, what? Who? What? Okay, so a question, because this is around the time it happens, but Steve's getting eaten up by bats. He succeeds, and they mm-hmm. go into the woods, but Robin makes a comment about rabies. Yeah. Steve's wounds are gnarly because yeah. he was bitten by rats. Uh-huh. There's a couple scenes later where he starts coughing and makes a reference to uh-huh. it. He's like, oh, I got a bunch of stuff in my mouth. Do you think he has like under underside poisoning, some sort of demonic thing? It, it, yeah, it might be. I mean, it, it, very similar to what Will had. That's it. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. There's, there's going to do something with him. There's something. Something's happening for sure. <laughs> I don't know what. But something's happening. I'm calling it now. Steve Steve might be one of the, the casualties at the end of the season for yeah, a sacrifice. I know. Because I, he's got underside rabies. I'd hate that, but but maybe. It would hurt. So that's a it makes sense. That's it. For sure. We find man, one of the coolest things I thought that we found out is that they're like, We need weapons to fight Vecna and, <laughs> and let's go to the police station and get guns. And Nancy's like, I got guns in my room. And he's like, What? what? Wheeler, you got guns? <laughs> But they go to her house and the guns aren't there. This caught me completely by surprise. Yeah, and th- they f- find out that the Upside Down is Hawkins frozen the day that Will Byers disappeared. November 6, 1983. Yeah, it's crazy. Because she was like, that stuffed animal, I get, got rid of that. Yeah. And wait a minute. And she looks at her diary and it's like, that was the last day. Crazy, right? Because like, you, it's one of those things they present to you and it's like i never even thought about that you mm-hmm. just assume the underside follows normal planar rules no, it's, nope it's, this is extra planar yeah it's stuck in time that was cool but while they're in there steve heard can hear dustin's voice <laughs> and we get to see like the other side of the upside down and like how will was able to talk to joyce through the lights and stuff That's it. it was really cool they use a light bright i thought it was cool but i like on the underside side of it it's like pixie dust yeah it's just like it tickles it feels good mm-hmm. it, was, it was it was a nice touch it was a nice touch because it kind of explained why a, a kid like Will would touch it to make the lights go. For sure. You know, because what would be his motivation? But since it like, looks happy and shiny and then it kind of feels good to touch. That's it. it means you know you're in, this is a good thing. Yeah. In an evil world, obviously. Yeah, it, it, was, it was interesting. I think they got a little bit of leeway with the mirror communication and the light bright. I love the light bright scene and I love the communication, but it seemed like the mirror was also a mini like thin portal. And I don't think they've done that before. I'm sure they'll justify it. I'm sure there's a reason for it, or maybe they have talked about it. Mm, I don't know. That was the first time I was like, they can talk through mirrors too? But no, the light bright was great. Uh-huh. This is when they figure out that, hey, that portal was where that kid died. Yes. So maybe there's other portals where other people died. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, we're not too far away from Eddie's trailer. Mm-hmm. So let's grab some bikes and go old school Stranger Things on bikes and head over there. <laughs> And they head over to Eddie's trailer, and then sure enough, they can see each other upside down. Another great scene. Through the rip. Yeah. 
they throw the they throw the blanket like the escape blanket. Yeah, you know they they tied up the thing. That's so and funny. it floats there. But here's how dumb I am though. Like so, you see the stick breaking through to open up the mm-hmm. portal. I'm like, oh, that's totally the scoop troop. I get it. I know that's not bad guys coming for them. But when they actually do the reveal and the the two parties are upside down to each other, I should have expected that. But I was like, oh, they're upside down. Yeah. Like literally, I don't upside. know. Yeah, it was I wasn't pretty, thinking. It was pretty cool. Um, and then we had that whole thread where poor Max had her journey into the upside down. She, uh, they started figuring out more about who the Vecna's victims were because yeah. she broke into a counselor's office to get files because she started getting the sound. Yeah, and it's kind of like the old horror movie classic, like you have three days once you start hearing the bell yeah. before your death, yeah. like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, oh no, it's happening to Max. Now we need to like book it and just yeah. figure it out. Yeah, it happens at Billy's grave. Ooh. That whole thread where they figure out the music thing because they had talked to Victor Creel, that and that's nice where touch. we get the Kate Bush thing. They're, they stick the headphones on her, and it brings her back. Make a deal uh, with God. <laughs> I love that song. Yeah, man. The, they bring her back, and then we get the whole thing where she was drawing stuff, and Nancy puts it together that it's the old Creel house. Oh, that's the house. That's it. You know, and then they go in there, and they got get interactions with... Vecna and the Upside Down, all creepy and scary. But bringing back the lights, yeah, that clock is there. Yeah, that's what, like, they were in there when that kid in the lake got killed, Mm -hmm. and it made all the lights, all their flashlights explode or something crazy like that. Crazy. (laughs) But, yeah, now they're here in the Upside Down, and poor Nancy starts going through the same thing that Max and everyone else, and Chrissy and everyone else was going through, because she could never make it up the rope. But that was a, such a twist, because you seem like, oh, the rope's here, the parties yeah. are meeting up, let's just climb up the rope and get back to the next step of things. But nope, Nancy gets sucked away. Yeah, sucked possessed. away. She sees Barb's death, and then Vecna's there, and he's like, he's like, so, you've been investigating me, huh? Well, let me monologue and tell you everything you wanted to know. Quick silly beat right before that, though, when she wakes up in the underside, she's literally in a pool of blood. Yeah. It's a swimming pool, and yeah. it starts filling with blood. I'm like, on the nose, but I love it. Yeah. And they brought Barb back. Like, yeah. that's her trauma. It's like, because he starts talking to her about trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, I don't leave people to die. And it's like, who'd she leave to die? And you're like, holy crap. Mm-hmm. That's season one stuff. Yeah. Completely forgot. Yeah. And this is where we get the wonderful cutting in between, and we start to find out. That Vecna might be somebody we know because there's a story being told simultaneously. Yes. That we find out that there's this kid, Victor Krill's son, who had these strange powers and was grabbed by this doctor. And he was messing with his family because he was moved away. And then they wanted to send him to this doctor so he can, like, start killing them so he wouldn't have to go to the doctor. Yeah. But he got went to the doctor anyway. And the doctor was Papa. And he put a tattoo on his arm. And he was number one the whole time. Ah! Henry Creel is is number one. Is the orderly. Is the orderly who, who so was threads. banished to the upside down by Eleven when she pushed him into a parallel dimension. I don't know if it was like the convergence of their powers or what happened, but either way, he got pushed into the other dimension. I got you. Into the upside down. I don't know if the upside down was always there, but it didn't look fully formed when he went in there. When they show Henry Krill, I think is his name. Henry, yep. Yeah, when they show Henry slash 001 Mm -hmm. slash Vecna, Mm -hmm. when they show him get pushed through the wall into the upside down. Yes. He's being hit by that lightning and getting all burned and changing into like horrible, gross Freddy Krueger looking thing. 
It's Vecna, but it's like just the start yeah. of Vecna. From what I recall, in that world, it's like there's no Hawkins there. It's just like this mountainous, crazy, lightning red world. Like it looks very not formed. Oh, from that actual scene. I, yeah. I wasn't paying attention to it, but I, I believe it, it to help show it's earlier. Yeah, it seems like Vecna created that alternate Hawkins. Yeah, and like that's why I made a little comment about Wibbly Wobbly earlier, because... That scene, we know that, like, the reveal when Eleven finds out that she didn't do the massacre, it was one. Mm-hmm. Her banishing and creating the original Vecna is hit her response to, you killed all my friends. Like, you are the ultimate bad guy. Mm-hmm. So I banish you to this place she may not even know yeah. in the memory. Right. Because this is happening in real time, but in a memory, in yeah. a tank. Yeah. So when is it really happening? Mm-hmm. But the disintegration of him in the memory is all white light and doesn't look like any of the underside effects that we've seen previously. Right. So I think they made a mention. We skipped over a lot of little tidbits they gave away with Dustin and Eric when they teamed back up. Like Eric is asking them all these questions like, what's your reasoning for this? And they sort of give away little details. One of those being that Vecna is opening up these gates to psychically link back into the real world. Yeah, so we can get the Mind Flayer out. Yes. So I think, yes, she banished Vecna and created him in the first place, but her that same scene in the real world in the memory is Vecna's psychic link that he's currently creating with the new gates killing teenagers is gone too. But I, like I, it, I don't, that's speculation because I don't know when is happening, when is what kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're going to have to find out in part two for sure. (laughs) Which is so soon. But yeah, it's, I don't know about you, but I kind of saw some stuff coming, but not in the way that they did it. It was very satisfying. I got you. I thought that Vecna was probably number one, Mm -hmm. but I didn't know the orderly was number one. So they that they really fooled me that way. They fooled me the other way. I I was You thought the orderly was number 1 but you didn't think number 1 was Vecna? Only because they kept mentioning numbers and like you picked up on why is 8 never mentioned? Yeah. I, I the only one that ever mentioned 1 was 1 himself. Yeah. And then he started talking about Papa doesn't always say what's true. Mm-hmm. Papa's using you. Papa's us- trying to play a game with you. As they're playing a game it's like, "Oh, you're referring to yourself as Papa, but mm-hmm. trying to keep yourself secret." Yeah. 001. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's funny is that we got fooled in two opposite directions. But they all tied together, so yeah. they fooled both of us. In- interesting. Yeah, I was sure. I was like, oh, well, you know what I thought? This is what I really thought. Not that anyone cares, but I just want to tell you. I didn't put them all together. I thought that, yes, that number one was Vecna. Was Vecna and I thought the orderly was that Victor Creel kid. Oh, okay. Which I was right, yeah. or Victor Creel's kid, but I was right. But I didn't realize all the they, same they were all the same person. <laughs> Four characters into one, that's a good reveal. Yeah. And keeping it hidden till that last it's moment true. from 13 different people yeah. that are all looking for these four different versions of the yeah. one. And the whole, like, the underside is frozen in time. Yeah. Does that mean Will has to go back to start the clock again? Because clocks are now a major feature. Yeah. Time is a thing, mm-hmm. especially the grandfather clock yeah, the and how it relates to Vecna, who is still alive. Mm-hmm encased in tentacles that totally remind me of one of the sentry pods from project nina the, yeah it's like the project nina it's like a and th- meat version of project nina and i don't think they do it directly but i think there is a smooth cut between l floating in the pod and then the scene washes to the underside that's, and we see that's possible but i'd have to go back and double check that but like mm-hmm. 
why is time frozen in the other side? Do they have to start it up again? Is it going to be Steve that sacrifices himself? Will? Yeah, what's going to happen? Yeah, because Steve's still down there, right? Yep. Steve and Nancy. is there with Nancy who's fluttering, which is interesting because usually when you're fluttering, you're in the right side up, but your conscious is in the upside down. So she's actually fluttering in the upside down and her conscience is in the upside down. Did we ever see her physical form cross the threshold in the trailer gate? Oh, you know what? You're right. She did climb up the thing. And then when she thought she was falling into the trailer, she was actually falling into the upside down. So, so, oh, may- so maybe she is in the trailer. Uh, yeah. I, I no, I think be- you're right. I think you're onto something. I think the scoop gang scooped her up and pulled her into the real world. But Vecna got her. I do, yeah. We'll have to see because that's not that's unresolved, right? Ooh. We don't know what's going on with that. It, it's weird that they broke it up into seven and two, yeah. but we get two more, which is awesome. And one of them super long. <laughs> episode eight is an hour and a half, like the last one we just watched. But episode nine, the finale, is two and a half hours. It's a movie. That's almost a movie length I don't like. Yeah. But I'm excited for it. I'm excited too. So do you want to do a pizza rating for this part or do you want to wait until it's all over? Because I know sometimes we'll do like, oh, here's half a pizza. I'll give you the rest when it's over. But I could do one now. It's up to you. I could do one now. And it would be fun if it's a prediction that we'll see how it goes. Because like we said, this is unresolved. So there is a very small possibility that something goes completely screwed. Exactly. We have to cut the half of a pizza off. Or the pizza gets stuck to the top of the box. It got (laughs) crushed in transit. (laughs) The pizza was delicious, but delivery sucked. Yeah. Yeah, I'll do a loose off the dome. Okay, Uh, yeah. Um, I had two nitpicks. I'll take a slice away for those two nitpicks. What are they? Uh, the Will, the Will and Mike. It, yeah, it, it, I didn't buy it. Okay, they may be resolved with how the direction they're mm-hmm. going, like we were hinting at. That could help it immensely. Mm-hmm. But I saw the actors rather than the characters, and so uh, uh-huh. that's on me. And then, uh, oh, my <laughs> other nitpick was the Demogorgon, and that was resolved. So yeah, I'll take a topping off then. Uh, right now I'll say eight cheese. Eight cheese. Because I that, that's pretty good rating. They had so many twists and turns. Okay, I'm telling you right now, I loved this season so much so far. There you go. So much. Like I said, season one was amazing. And then two and three, I was kind of like, okay, we're doing the thing. But this one was as good as the first season for me. Oh, sure. But I don't want to, I I hate, I'm going to, I don't care. I might regret it because the other ones might come out and ruin it. Believe in it. But right now, dude. I'm ordering I'm I'm ordering some garlic knots. Yeah. I'm having garlic knots coming and this is an 8 supreme with the garlic knots. Marinara dipping sauce. And 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 yeah, and marinara dipping sauce for the garlic knots and how could it get better? I don't know how it can get better. I'm loving this so much. If the next two are great, then we'll throw some dessert in there or something. I love it. When we get there, but this is one of the to me as far as entertainment goes this is one of the most entertaining things i've seen in years gotcha like i said top to bottom all the characters are great the performance is great it's probably hitting me in places that it might not hit other people because i can like i was 12 in 1986 for sure some of the earlier stuff i was younger i got you but 1986 i remember 1986 and these people and the 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 stuff like Everything I'm seeing uh, to the the cordless phones with the metal antenna oh, on sure. it, I had one of like it, it, it's to the point now. Some of the stuff before was like, yeah, I kind of remember that, but they're hitting a, an era now and a type of fashion and people and and every, like this the, is the computer into the phone. Yeah, line. yeah, I've all of it. I've been there. So uh, this is nostalgia bombing for me. So this probably has such a nostalgia sheen on it, but. 
you know, hey, man, it's like going to a pizza place that you used to grow up going to. So, And it's nostalgia done by people that love it the same way you do. Yeah. It's not like, hey, remember this? It's like, we love this. Didn't mm-hmm. you love this? Let's nerd out yeah. about it. So we will see if it holds up. Airing tomorrow. We'll talk about it probably a little after yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. I'm excited. This I, I I'm, this is excellent. Excellent, excellent. Well done, Duffer Brothers. Proud of you. Thumbs up. So uh, let us know what you think of Stranger Things Season 4 Part 1. Volume 1? Part 1. Part 1. I've seen both Part 1 and Volume 1. I don't know what it's called. Anyway, let us know. You can hit us up on all our social medias at AssumingPod. That's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, you can also send us a Gmail on that thing, that internet thing. Hell, that's not going to be a thing. <laughs> What's the internet? Uh, assumingpositions at gmail.com. Dot com. Every week I ask Mikey, hey, Mikey, how would you want this Gmail formatted? Uh, on a light bright, and then take a picture <laughs> of it, and then send it through a computer. Yes. Send it through the internet. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you my IP address, though. Just send it to that Gmail. <laughs> <laughs> Hang up the phone. Oh, man. Uh, We want to thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure you tell your friends and share this. Subscribe to it. Grab your friend's phone and and subscribe to it on their phones. Yeah. Uh, We really appreciate you all listening to us. We want to thank you so much for listening. We also want to thank that guy, Brad, for doing our announcing. Not Scott Products for Equipment. Jazz R for your music. And we hope you guys have a wonderful week. And uh, we really hope you don't hear any ticking grandfather clocks but if you do just put your headphones on yep. play some kate bush and everything will be fine play that favorite song yeah <laughs> <laughs>